Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Um, we're back. Hello, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Kara. And it's been a hot minute. I know. I think, was it last time or was it like a couple episodes ago where we're like, maybe we should stop saying that we've been on a break or that it, <laughs> it took longer than we expected. But like this time was this time a, it, a it was long. sort of planned. It was yeah, like... I mean, six yeah. weeks and but it was also sort of planned yeah i was gonna say we knew we were gonna be taking a vacation uh we took off uh we took off for uh european uh september um which is a vacation for me and kelso but it, for carl is just where he lives yeah yeah um, um, yeah, I went to Prague and, uh, had a really good time. My mom, like, walked our feet off. We, we, like, saw stuff every single day and walked so much and, like, slept like a stone every night because, uh, because we were just utterly exhausted. But it was good. It was a good time. Yeah, that's, sometimes that's just how vacations do be. Um, I, I also went on european vacation um i went to france did like 48 hours 48 whirlwind hours in paris and then a, a pretty pretty chill week in bordeaux so yeah um i highlight of the trip includes uh seeing a live in-person pangolin which i never thought would be a thing that i would get to see um Ooh. but they have they have a a breeding pair at the Prague Zoo, which is like the first in Europe to ever like breed in captivity. I think. Um, I didn't realize that pangolins were that reticent to fuck. Um, well, it's not just that; it's uh, they're they are reticent to eat. Is the problem? Oh. Um, they're they're basically almost never kept in zoos because they're just really really difficult to keep alive in captivity. Um, and okay. so like there's a. There was a whole thing on the, um, like, a you know, informational signboard next to them that are like, you know, they don't eat the normal stuff that you feed insect-eating animals in zoos. Um, so we had to come up with, like, a special formula that involves, like, bee larvae um, that is, like, a thing we can get in quantity that they will actually eat. Um, but they, oh. have a, they have a pair, and they just had a little uh, baby girl pangolin called Shishka. Which means pinecone in Czech, which is That's adorable. Perfect, the perfect name. Yeah. Oh, I guess uh, I didn't. I didn't realize. Like I've never seen a pangolin in real, um, and I it never occurred to me that like maybe they're just real bad at, at being in captivity. Yeah. yeah. They're just oh. bad animals. They are. Yeah, kind of. Uh, not really. They're amazing animals. They are just. Uh, they're and they're not as there are some animals that are just like bad at life animals um where it's like uh like the reason you're going extinct is because you only eat like this one really rare food that has no nutritional value so you have to eat a ton of it um and <laughs> thus you must have an incredibly huge range and if anything happens to that range or food source you're pretty fucked Looking at you, pandas. Yeah, pandas um, are on notice. Yeah. Um, but for the the main reason that pangolins are in trouble is that uh, they're, like, the most heavily illegally trafficked mammal in the world. Um, oh. Because they have scales, which is, like, 
really weird and cool. And uh, because it's really weird and cool, it is, you know, thought to have medicinal value and is used in traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, as, as are a lot of, like, rare animal parts that, like, probably don't actually do anything. Because um, they're oh, just no, keratin. Oh, no, definitely, definitely don't yeah. do anything. I, I don't think you need to probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they have not been scientifically studied. So one cannot definitively say one way or the other. But it's mostly just killing a creature that looks cool because it's cool and rare. Um, and that the pangolins are very cool looking. And thus this happens to them a lot. Um, which is very sad. Uh, but you know, being able to breed them in captivity now is like a huge, uh, like a huge step forward because that was not a thing we were able to do until very recently. Nice. Yeah, I I think that pangolins are way more deserving of massive conservation efforts than pandas. Like, I think I feel like I've made my opinion of on pandas known um, in <laughs> yeah. the past, probably even on this podcast. Um, uh, the panda's done goofed, but uh, also... Hot take. Like... <laughs> hot take. Maybe pandas weren't meant to survive. Um, I mean, I get it. Also, like, massive deforestation and, and everything. Yeah, but like... yeah no. Like, they, they, would, they would definitely have been around a lot longer were it not for humans. And Adapt or die, harder. pandas. Adapt or die. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why can't yeah. you be more like raccoons? <laughs> yeah. Right? You've got the mask. Figure it out. Um, not that, you know, pandas aren't, not that pandas aren't adorable. They are very adorable. Um, and, uh, if you love pandas, like, we're, we're not trying to, we're not trying to shit on your favorite animal. Just we're, I'm not trying to animal. shit on your favorite animal. <laughs> yeah, just, we are just a little bit, but, you know. <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, Wow. The, the Feedback Force podcast does not endorse uh, the illegal illegal killing of animals and widespread deforestation. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I think we can all agree with that. A very a very brave take. We've a brave stance we've taken here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> bad um, things are bad. Bad things are bad. Yeah, and it's high time somebody stood up and said it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, it's high time somebody spoke for the trees. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody's ever written that phrase before, right? <laughs> no. Um, in, in a popular children's book? Um, yeah. So that was, a, that was a, an adventure. We were there for like two weeks, um, I think-ish. Uh, and then we got home, and uh, my sister had a baby, so I'm an aunt now. Oh, yay! What His kind of baby? Is... His name is Oliver. He's very cute. He's very small. Um, he was, like, uh, they had to induce because he was kind of underweight, uh, and they needed to get him out so they could, you know, treat him more directly. Um, but he is successfully born uh, and out of the, the NICU. And uh, and home with the uh, with my sister, and he's very cute. Oh, that's excellent. Because because he was extra small, uh, and his name is Oliver. Uh, I sent him uh, a plush of the Pokemon Smoliv, um, 
because it's a small Oliver. That's so good. That's perfect. Yeah. So that is my that is my new nephew. Nice. That's, that's great. I don't know. Being being an aunt is pretty cool. I don't want kids, but I like I like all my nieces and nephews a lot. They're pretty pretty cool. So it's uh, all of the all of the fun of get, getting to spoil a small child and none of the work of none of the responsibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Until I'm they about, are oh. way too hyper and chase after you. That, uh, are you well, speaking from experience? Yes. That's not a problem when you live on the opposite coast as them. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, but Carl, even if are you, you telling spend me more that than you one can't... day there? So are, are you yeah. telling me that you cannot run a child? I mean, I don't want to. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I want to stay in the house. That's fair. Yeah, that, that is fair. Um. Yeah, so that's a that's a new thing that uh, I have been looking that I have to look forward to uh, being able to kind of participate in. But again, like she does live on the opposite coast from me, so uh, interactions with my nephew, like real interactions, will probably actually be somewhat far between, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure I will get to meet him in person eventually. Yeah. For now, I am just having them send me, like, a constant stream of photos to my phone. Oh, I'm sure that's no hardship yeah. for them. I'm sure they are glad for anyone who, like, has willingly signed up for baby pictures. So, yep. thanks yep, for your yep. service. Yeah, and my, my mom and dad are up there and, and hanging out with uh, with them, so I don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's all. Exciting. Um, any other, uh, fun things for the past, uh, couple weeks? I can talk about, like, games I've played, but... Me too. Yeah, me too. Alright, somebody else go first then this time. Uh, what have you I'll... played the past couple weeks? Well, guess what, bitches? Detective Pikachu Returns has arrived. Um, I heard bad things. I mean... I so I haven't played too too much of it since it just came out um Friday. Um I I I mean I think my expectations were pretty tempered considering I did play the first one and it is like decidedly a a baby game for babies. Yeah, that's um, what I've heard about it is it's it's meant for a pretty young audience. Yeah, it's a baby game for babies that I I played and enjoyed if it's a and baby game for game Babies, why is Pikachu like forty-five years old? Because the children need a a strong paternal figure. <laughs> need a good uh, grizzled detective. Why not? I mean, also it is like I don't know. This is is this spoilers? Because I don't. I'm just like this is conjecture, but it's heavily hinted at conjecture that your Pikachu is actually your dad through um I don't know mysterious circumstances. That your yeah, dad's I... mind and soul is in the Pikachu now, so I don't yeah, know if that's I... true, but like that's the the games thus far have been leading pretty heavily towards that. Yeah, and I mean, the, like if you've seen the movie, you know how that goes. I have seen the movie, and I don't, I don't, <laughs> remember, don't remember anything. I don't remember anything about it besides like, oh, these Pokemon look pretty good, actually. 
Yeah. Well, the, yeah, there is a whole side plot about that in the movie. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's true. And I, like I said, I don't re- I don't remember you spaced it out. anything. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but is it is it on par with the previous game at least? I think so. I mean, it's yeah. There's like more game to the game, although I think it might be shorter overall. Um, like less chapters, if I'm mm-hmm. remembering correctly. But like, I don't know. There's more to do in in each individual chapter than there was um in the previous one. Again, it's. It's a baby game for babies. It's very straightforward. Like, you're just there to have a fun, cute time um, and solve a mystery. And that's fine. <laughs> like, that's that's all, that's all I need. So. I mean, it's, it's Pokemon. Uh, I have it's also Pokemon. been playing a Pokemon game over the past two weeks because the uh, Scarlet and Violet DLC Part 1 came out. Um, so I've been playing that. And, uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It's, you know, not, not like crazy long, but it was a little, little cute little chunk and uh, a lot of new Pokemon. I've caught everything that I can catch, filled out everything I can filled out in my Pokedex without doing, um, evolution, trade evolutions and needing like a second person. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, Yeah. So once I have a second person, I will be able to fully finish, uh, my Pokedex. But uh, I've also been playing Pokemon. Oh, oh my god! I've been playing po- Pokemon Too Many Types, which is a mod that introduces fifty new types. What? I I've, and... I I've heard it like I I have inklings of this because I keep seeing um like YouTube videos aimed at me with titles like I added fifty new types to my Pokemon game or you know something like oh. that. It's very silly. Yeah. So which game does it mod? Like, what is it a mod um, of, specifically? Emerald, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. What What are, like, give me a rundown of some of the types. Like, what's the dumbest type that they had? I mean, so many dumb types. But the, I really like the crab type typing. Because so many stuff. That isn't crab is having the crab typing. Yeah. <laughs> but they have like baby and magic and Republican. And... Oh, I love it. It's I think furry is one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's that tracks for sure. Mm-hmm. You keep going insane when you play it because it's like, oh, what's this Pokemon? Of course, it's a little baby furry. <laughs> yeah. So does it, like, I'm assuming then it, it gives more types, like, more type slots to Pokemon, like, you can have more than two types? Yeah, you can have three. Three? Okay. Oh. Little but it's baby been furry. Fun. Yeah. That sounds fun. That sounds like a good, a good shake-up. And I've also been playing Void Stranger, which is a game I really recommend. It's yeah. like a puzzle game, which, I mean, it says it's like 2D Sokoban style puzzle game, which it is, but it's like a um, whole like ARG game where 
everything about that game is like mysterious and you mm. the game itself is like a puzzle. That sounds fun. I well, I've got to, some uh, cool black and white pixel art going on it looks like. All right. Yeah. It's... I'm I'm intrigued enough to put that on my wish list. So I started playing it and I heard people people keep saying it gets better after 100 hours. Because that's when the game really starts. Oh mm. god. And, like, it it's very strange. Yeah, it better be decent for those first 100 hours. Because I, I will not play any game that I dislike for 100 hours, no matter how good it gets later. Yeah, it's not that type of game. It's more yeah. like it keeps evolving. You keep finding new stuff all the time. Nice. That does sound cool. Um, oh man, Huck is making chicken ramen in the other room, and I can smell it from here. And it smells really good, even though I have no desire to eat chicken ramen. Man, mm, tasty. Anyway, um, the uh, the other game I've been playing a lot of uh, and enjoying the heck out of is uh, Raft. Speaking of Huck, we've been playing it together. It's got like native co-op. Uh, it's a survival sim type game where the premise is you are on a tiny little raft in the middle of the ocean uh, and there's a shark that constantly attacks you. Um, and there's like wreckage and and debris in the water everywhere. So you have like a little hook thing that you can uh, you can grab uh, resources out of the water and use it to like build up your raft and, you know, eventually it like research things and eventually build automatic resource collection and um you know there's a you can build a like a radio uh receiver thing and like start tracking signals from like uh, other locations and then try and find them and it's got like a whole little like narrative progression about finding these like story based islands and it's pretty cool so that's yeah. that's a game that I have like seen and been vaguely interested in, but the big thing is, and now I know someone who's played it, so I can ask, <clears throat> is it like specifically balanced for co-op or is it something you could have fun with playing by yourself? Um so it is um so I have I'm playing co-op, so I can only tell you the co-op experience. My understanding is that they like uh, they do change, like, their resource stuff based on how many people are playing. So, like, I think if you get, like, more than four people playing, they add an additional shark, for instance. Yeah. okay. Um, uh, but I they at least it, account for it. Yeah, it does seem to, like they've thought about it and accounted for it. And so, you know, I don't know how good it is as a, as a one-player game. It feels pretty good with two people. Um, okay. It feels like... Uh, you know, but then you also you have to have like enough food and and water for two people. So, um, you know, you would spend maybe, you know, you wouldn't have two people to do two tasks as uh, as a single player, but you would also require fewer resources, so you'd have more time to do those tasks. Um, yeah. So I think okay. I think it would balance decently. Okay. I'd guess. Yeah. That's fine. That's all I needed to know. I'll probably pick it up on sale at some point then. Yeah. Because you know me, I like a survival like survival crafting survival crafting. game yeah 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 no it's uh i am i am kind of a sucker for for a survival craft uh yeah and uh and this yeah. is a this is a solid one 
With okay. me and Huck, it, it's it's tough because he and I both like that genre, but we also like we both have different tasks that we enjoy in those games. So it has to have a good like the right balance of you know the sort of like combat action stuff, like the survival parts to the crafting parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one I think does. It's got uh, it's got some for both. Um, you know, it's fun to it's fun to collect stuff and kind of build up the raft, but uh, also you do have to like be aware of the shark and there are like uh, other things that can harm you on the islands and um, there's a you know there's a sailing mechanic you gotta control which way you're going and things like that. Eventually, once you gain enough technology to be able to j- not just drift on the current. Um, yeah, so recommended. I am, I'm enjoying and, it. And they're from the same town as we are. When we're oh, nice. In. So I, I I haven't talked to them, but I've seen them around. The uh, what is the? It's one of those things where you know you see the name of the studio pop up. Um, uh, Axolot Games. Is the publisher Redbeat Interactive? Redbeat, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, they did a good job, and it's, it's a game that was in uh, early access for like four years, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now it's officially out. So. I mean, it, it was there was there were two people developing it. I think there are more now. That's but... impressive. Yeah, and sometimes you got to be in early access for four years because that's how long it takes to to work things out, and that's fine. Um, but good on them. It's a it's a solid game. More and more, I feel like probably just probably just because of Carl and like how every time every I feel like every third game it's like oh they're Swedish also um, <laughs> I feel like it's just like you can't walk two blocks without coming up upon like a, a roving street gang of indie developers <laughs> yeah they, you guys got a good got a good game scene up there oh man yeah. speaking of uh speaking of studios we like um the um Die Gute Fabrik is is coming out with a new game soon, right? Uh, the guys yeah. who did, um, who did uh, what's in my face? They're Danish. They're not Swedish, but they are. Uh, we did play. Um, what should we I call it? Remember. Mutazione. We played Mutazione. Mutazione. I'm trying to remember what the next one is called. Uh, uh, Salt Sea Chronicles. Yeah, Salt Sea Chronicles is coming out soon. Um, is it this so. year? Yeah, that's listed as uh, October twelfth. So like oh, four shit. days. <laughs> Damn. All right. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll probably play that in the near future. I would think. I would assume so. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, you know, we'll let it come out. We'll see. Uh, what uh, what people think of it? But I I liked Mutazione a lot, and it was gorgeous. Um, yeah. And so I'm I'm happy to to just you know. Take it on faith and and try something else from them. Yeah, Mutazione is is like high on my list of um, games that I like to recommend to people that they probably haven't heard of. Yeah. Just as like a oh, you want something 
new that's kind of in this vein that you probably don't know about, then here's this. Like, go play it. It's great. Like, no reservations to recommending it to most people. Yeah. For sure. Um, it, this is, yeah. Um, it feels real weird <laughs> doing this first. Or doing this second. Um... Yeah, did I mention? I don't think I mentioned it. I, I said I was it. gonna. I said I was gonna talk about how the sausage is made. So we actually have, um, at the at this exact moment that we're recording, we have already done our whole section talking about the game, um, because we had our good friend Mike on. We have a special guest. Look forward to our my my friend Mike is our special guest today, and he's gonna be talking about the game with us. Yes, uh, you might you might remember him from such things as uh, co-writing uh, Wintermore Tactics Club, and also we had him on, God, a number of years ago now to talk about um, a, a text game that he made called um, The Ghost of Christmas Blank. Um, so, yeah. returning guest, but <laughs> so yeah, we're we're a little bit backwards right now, which I I mentioned mostly to give myself some grace when I have to splice these two parts together. Yeah, um, you'll get which... to look forward to it. But in the meantime, we're, we are experiencing the odd phenomenon of not having the uh, pressure that we normally have that gets us to stop doing this section. But now I feel like we, we have uh, encountered a, a different special kind of pressure, which is how much longer should we continue to talk about not game? Yeah. How much longer can we? I mean, I I think we could we could shoot the shit for several hours if we wanted to. Probably that's I think that's uh, like generally a yes a possibility. We shouldn't, uh, but we could. But yeah, I'm sorry. I have uh, I have torn back the the curtain and and shown the wizard. Um, no, that's fine. But uh, knowing the, that the I'd... wizard there makes it makes it easier for me to skirt around <laughs> the wizard. So yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, wizard. I'm just gonna sneak right by you there. Yeah. Oop. Oop. Let me just let me just sneak past you here. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you get it. You get it. I do. Yeah, I do. Um. So yeah, no, I just I I needed to voice the like strange cognitive dissonance I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's really true. Um. Any okay, so we're into October now. I don't know. I guess I think I'm the only like horror media person really like dedicated. But any any like watch list, any things you have been want to watch for uh the the hallowed spooky season? Um a friend of mine just saw the new um like Agatha Christie Poirot like Kenneth Branagh movie that came out, something Venice. Um, yeah, I Venice or something. I, I saw a bunch of trailers for that, and it looks fun. Uh, and yeah, she the they really enjoyed it. Um, Ghost of Venice, something, a haunting in Venice is what it's called. Um, yeah, and they said it was. Uh, they said it was real good. So, or at least that they enjoyed it very much. It was very much to their taste. I don't know if they recommend it universally or not. I don't want to put words in their mouth. But uh, they enjoyed it a lot. Nice. Um, we we have been watching the the TV series of Chucky, which has been running for like three seasons now. Oh. And oh, I don't yeah, I forgot that that existed. Yeah, I don't know that it's like been super available on streaming services until relatively recently. Um, but we're I mean, 
I, I was about to say, like, we're big fans of the Child's Play franchise, but I feel like that that applies to pretty much any horror movie franchise. Like, we just, we like them. Um, but, but that one in particular, um, I don't know, Don Mancini is, is on some stuff um, in the, a great way. The Bride of Chucky uh, traumatized me a little as a kid. Um, I watched, because I didn't watch a lot of horror movies growing up. Not really because I was, like, forbidden to, but I just, like didn't have particular desire to for the most part um but uh some friends of mine uh like had it rented it for a sleepover so we watched it for a sleepover um and there's a there's a scene in that which in which i may have, maybe i've even told this story on the podcast before actually uh there's a scene in which someone like gets hit by a truck uh in that mm-hmm. movie and like splatters into like a bunch of tiny pieces um in a way that like is incredibly unrealistic um but i didn't know it was incredibly unrealistic at the time as a small child and that like image like stuck with me really viscerally and just haunted me for a really really long time until much later in high school when i watched a friend of mine get hit by a car um and she was oh, she, she was fine. Um, she didn't even like break any bones. I think she like maybe sprained an ankle or a wrist or something. It was a pretty low speed collision. Um, but seeing what it actually looked like when someone got hit by a car, like freed me from that old image because I'm like, oh, oh, that old one was super fake. That's not actually what it looks like at all. Um, but yeah, no, it Good. was. Uh, I was. I was like in. My school bus, like, uh, riding back uh, from school, and I happened to see, like, a friend of mine crossing the street, like, behind the bus, and I was about to, like, she didn't see me, so, like, I considered waving to her, but, like, she wasn't looking my direction at all, and she just, like, didn't, like, check both ways for traffic when she stepped out from behind a parked car, and, like, a car just ran into her. She kind of, like, rolled up the hood a little bit. Oof. Yeah, it was like it was it sh- like that should have been more traumatizing, but somehow it wasn't. Somehow it was, it was like it was your anti-trauma. Yeah, it was weirdly, <laughs> weirdly just cured me of my previous trauma. Huh. That's wild. I unfortunately I don't think there is any cure for the childhood film watching trauma experience of Large Marge. From Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's no hang, fixing hang out, that one. Hang out with the large lady trucker for a while and and just get to know her. I guess that's true. Yeah. To be on edge the whole time. <laughs> Wait for that claymation to kick in. Yeah. Um, Exposure therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, if, you, if you sit there long enough, you'll realize she's not about to, like, get a weird ghoul face and pop her eyes out at you. That's Yeah, that's probably true. Um... I was gonna say, I think my my favorite thing about the the Chucky series so far is, um, I mean, first of all, it just really leans into the absurd um, in a beautiful way. But my absolute favorite thing about it is that Devin Sawa is in every single season as a different character, and in the first season, he plays two different characters. It's amazing. I love that shit. Yeah, I like it when people do like kooky things like that. Um, and of course, Jennifer Tilly is is in it, and I am a longtime fan of Jennifer Tilly, and she's so so hot, and she's still so so hot. So keep up the good work, Jenny. <laughs> keep being hot, Jenny. Yes.
nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's still weird to me that they got a TV franchise, but I mean, sure, I guess, why not? Yeah. Uh, Wasn't there also a stage production? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Really? Of Chucky? I mean, I I guess I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh, Chucky stage? A maybe not. No, okay. Okay, I'm probably thinking of something else. Oh, okay. It's I was thinking of I was thinking of uh, an article from uh about a year ago where um Don Mancini has considered and I think is maybe working on a musical version. Um <laughs> so looking forward to that. Yeah, fun. Um yeah, no, we it is October and we probably should have picked a spooky game uh for October. But spoilers, we didn't. Um, yeah. we've, we've been on vacation. We haven't had a lot of time to prep and plan for stuff. Uh, and so we're all, we're a little off our game, but that's okay. We're doing that's our fine. best. We're, we're doing the best we can. Please don't bully us. <laughs> no, they'd have to talk to us to do that. Um, no, listen, come talk to us. We're desperate. Uh, we, we crave your attention <laughs> and interaction. <laughs> yeah, please interact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the opposite of DNI. <laughs> PI, please interact. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Anything? I that might be it. <laughs> Any other interesting stuff in the past like month? There probably has been. There's probably stuff I'm forgetting because it's been a month. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's been more than a month, but yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm uh I'm doing the house search thing as possible. How's that going? It's possible by the end of the month I'll like be buying a house. We'll see. Um well, that's exciting. I mean it's you know, it's going fine. It's as as you might expect, incredibly intimidating. Um and uh more fast paced than I am super comfortable with, but that's how real estate works. So <sighs> Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you just gotta strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, um, it's, it's, the the idea of like, oh, you know, you you see a thing that, like that you might like, and you have like basically two days to make the biggest financial decision of your life. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. That's yeah, a, that's a weird <sighs> thing about the process. That that like exactly is the process, and I I feel like we got lucky. In that we put in an offer on a house, and we got outbid. Um, and then I think we ended up, then, you know, we put in an offer on the house that we ended up buying, and I think we were both like, oh, actually, this one's better, and I'm glad that we got outbid. So, like, yeah, I think just, just, just go with the flow and hope, you know, understand yeah, some, that it'll probably work, work out. out for the best. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we've uh, we toured three places yesterday. We're probably gonna tour three more places today, and it's a it's a whirlwind. But you know, yeah. I guess if uh, if we do end up like moving house at some point, um, we might we might end up like needing a hiatus while we like set up internet and stuff in a new place. But we shall Cross see. Cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, I'm hoping if we get something quick, like we have. I don't know, another, like, four months-ish on this lease that, like, 
we could get out of, but it would be like about as expensive to just ride it out <laughs> to the end. Um, so we would have like a really long time to to like gradually move into a place, which would be nice. That's good. Yeah, we we had a month, um, which didn't get as much done as I think we had wanted to, but still was able to do a lot of stuff that is much easier to do while the house is still empty. Oh yeah, really, kick, really like kicking that. myself for not like painting, um, but we were not sure about colors. But I mean, I like I rented one of those carpet cleaners and I did every single carpet in the house and just a lot of like little fixes. I whitewashed the fireplace because the fireplace was like just this horrible, ugly red brick. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just just and as we all know, it like. The problem with red brick is that you don't have the actual original red brick available if you want to match the color. So you have to use a slightly different red brick and then it doesn't match and then it's always annoying and then you end up just painting it all in white. Um, yeah. Speaking from my experience with the house flipper game. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 absolutely probably true. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't fully paint it white, but I did like whitewash it and lighten it up a lot. So that was like. That was one of the scariest things I think I've ever done, apart from buying a house, because it's like, once you once you put this watered-down paint on here, there's no going back. Like, you yeah. have to commit. Um, but it paid off. It paid off. Yeah, that's that was a weird feeling when I did the mural at uh, my friend's place, where I'm like, mm. oof, I'm putting, like, straight-up paint on their walls. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but it, it was fine. It worked out well. Yeah, um, no, speaking of... Great. Speaking of decorating stuff, I do have a, a new YouTube channel to recommend that uh, I might be like the last person to hear of this. Maybe both of you already know of it, but uh, I was just um, I was just turned on to the YouTube channel Game It Out or Let's Game It Out. Um, if you haven't seen Let's Game It Out, uh, the premise is that uh, it's a guy playing games as badly as possible. Um, like basically he's, he plays a game like he is some kind of like demonically possessed QA tester, um, where it's like, you know, I'm, here's a cafe sim. I'm going to try and make a cafe that like tortures all of the like customers who come to it. Uh, but that still technically runs as a cafe. Um, he plays a lot of simulation games. He's played some raft. He plays a lot of the like you know, park tycoon type games like uh, the Planet Zoo, Planet Coaster, that kind of thing. Um, I think there was a there was a Planet Coaster game where he made a, a roller coaster that was just a giant shotgun that shot people out the front. Sorry, I'm I'm look I'm looking at the thumbnails. I'm on the channel right now, looking at the thumbnails, and I really, really would like to know um, how you managed to fuck up a cooking simulator. As bad as this uh, attests to do. Yeah, it's it's honestly pretty impressive. Um, one of the things he likes to try and do is is get the frame rate as low as possible <laughs> by putting just as many objects in a scene as the, a game will let him. That kind of thing. That's fair. Um, it's it's it, they are incredibly funny to watch, and uh, I highly recommend. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at these. Ah, uh, but yeah, that's all I can think of for for how things have been. Yeah, same. Any any final thoughts before we transition into 
bring it the in past. Mike. <laughs> the past future, the future past. <laughs> Before we time travel. I think we're about to time travel. Oh man. Uh can you so can you like uh when we actually do the transition, can you cut in like the TARDIS noise? Where we're like <laughs> probably that's copyright. Probably we can't do that. I, yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna no, do that. But if, <laughs> but if you did a TARDIS noise. I don't I don't know, like, what is, the t it's like... It's been so long since I've watched Doctor Who that I don't even remember what the TARDIS sounds like. Yeah, it's like a weird, like, whooshing noise, but also with, like, a little, like, uh, like a whistle, like a low, like, rumbly whistle involved in it as well. I don't think I could, uh, I could mimic it very well, unfortunately. Okay, how about this? We're gonna have a, a brief moment here, and during that brief moment... I want everybody listening close to your eyes. close your eyes and imagine a TARDIS noise starting now. All right. So for this, uh, I was going to say a couple of weeks, but by a couple of weeks, I mean like over a month or however long it's been. Uh, we played yeah. Astronaut the Best by Universal Happy Maker, uh, half of which is my good friend Mike, who is here with us today. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hello. I'm honored to be here. Uh, some of you, like, longtime listeners may uh, remember Mike from the episode we did on his, uh, like, short text-based Christmas game uh, that one time. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, uh, I mention him a lot because he is the co-writer on Wintermore Tactics Club, which is the, the game that we wrote together. Um, which is the game that I always plug at the end of the podcast. Uh, but this time, uh, you got you along with one of our uh, USC classmates, David Mershon, have made uh, Astronaut the Best, which is a procedural narrative um, space uh, space agency management game. Not a, really a space sim. A little bit of space sim at the end, um, but mostly like people management uh except the people are all uh terrible and weird uh and it's a very fun and funny game and it's very out there which is only what i would expect uh from you and david yeah we you know um it's a difficult game to describe in one sentence or to say what the genre is um we ended up landing on occult management adventure nice um, yeah, because, yeah, like, I don't know, Adventure lets people know that it's kind of man uh, narrative-focused, and mm -hmm. Occult lets people know that it's weird, so, I don't know, I feel like those are the, the most important points to hit. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it is, uh, it's interesting because it plays, uh, like, some of the first time through, there's just a lot of, like, procedural narrative nonsense of, like, weird unexpected things happening constantly um but as you play it through a couple times because it's you know part of the the gameplay of it is to replay uh missions a few times it weirdly starts to feel more uh almost like roguelike like hades or something where you you're like okay what build did i roll <laughs> like what uh, what horrible things happened to me this time and how how can i like roll with the punches and account for these yeah, how bad is the hand that I was dealt immediately, <laughs> and can it be salvaged? 
Yeah, and if not, what what weird f- experimental things am I going to try just to see? Uh, because I might as well, because I'm screwed over anyway. Uh, yeah. For example, um, in a game I was playing just yesterday, uh, I had uh, five astronauts, uh, I think four of which were addicted to drugs. Um, and then I rolled a... Uh, uh, an event where you know one of their drug use was discovered, and one of the options was force everybody to take the drugs. And I'm like, you know what? That that really just affects one more astronaut. <laughs> At this point, there's no reason not to. <laughs> um, so you know that kind of shenanigans. Um, the game has is it five missions or six missions? Um. Let's say five. Okay. Uh, yeah. Five officially, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, you know, um, s- somewhat of a, a secret path, but it, it's, I'd say it's within one of the missions that there's yeah. a secret path. So it pretty much is five. Yeah. So there's five missions. Um, the, the premise is that you are the director of a space agency um, in a sort of Cold War style space race. Uh, except the the country that you work for um, is ruled by five high priests, um, and they they have just like constant demands about what you do. So part of part of your job is appeasing them. Part of your job is training the astronauts. Part of your job is like managing PR so that you don't lose glory for your nation. Um, yeah. Do we want to go through the? Um, the different missions, just kind of basic overview. We'll try not to do too many spoilers. Usually we don't care that much about spoilers, but um, I think this game is pretty easy to talk about without huge spoilers. Yeah, like, I'm I'm okay with talking about some... To be honest, some of the parts that are most spoilerable are the parts that I think are cool. Um, yeah. Like... I don't know. I, I guess with the missions, um, I, I tried to give each one kind of a different um, gameplay vibe slash kind of stretch the mechanics of the game to do something a little different. Um, so the first one's a tutorial. It's where there's the scaffolding and you kind of learn all the different stuff in the game. Um, the second mission is um, where the rival nation has challenged you to a boxing match and um, you need to prepare your astronauts for that if you want to be able to have your space launch um the third mission is um i guess more of like a social simulation thing where social um, engineering simulation yeah yeah, yeah where, where you're trying to uh deal with a tv show that um depicts space negatively and you get a chance to kind of uh you know mingle with the cast and crew and can kind of try to engineer things that end up in a way that's better for you um, yeah, which features the cameo of the Space Wolves, which we try and shoehorn into all of our games in some way or another. It's true. Um, and then the fourth mission is a mystery, um, which is my personal favorite. That's kind of where we got the plot in there and stuff for the most part. Um, and then the fifth mission is um, uh, it's a free play where you, you know, don't have a mission and you can just go to space and there is absolutely nothing else going on in it. Yeah, just just <laughs> deal with things going wrong for several weeks before the launch. Uh as they are wont to do. 
Um, and as you go, you are being helped out uh, by the Flaustrian Lion, um, who is a like the spirit of the nation, um, who appears on flags and bills and in your office. Um, and he, you know, gives you advice and like helps you deal with your astronauts. Uh, and also, he's the like meta game between games where he like takes you out of the universe where you just finished. Uh, and then, like, dumps you into a new one where you have to do it again. <laughs> so he he's the narrative justification for the sort of uh, roguelike elements. Yeah, you know, we, we had, like, a big list that we brainstormed of justifications for roguelike elements. Yeah. Um, and we ended up, I, I guess, like, kind of that multiverse conceit was kind of, like, the Occam's razor almost like the the simplest path um we had i don't know my my favorite that we cut that um we decided the game didn't need to get more confusing um like we had the idea that like every every at the end of every um playthrough it would be like the lion was teaching a class of children in the future and like a history class and like talked about how that's how the space program went and then like one of the children would complain and say that doesn't make any sense and then the lion would start over and then you'd have to play again <laughs> um, or like the other one was that like um at the end of every playthrough it would like zoom out to like an old man like telling this story to his children and his children would keep like prying for information or like not prying for information but kind of just being like but that's what happened doubt. about this and like asking yeah. questions and stuff and like kind of casting doubt and then like eventually it would like kind of zoom out to show that the the children were actually like enemy agents who were like interrogating this old man and trying to like learn state secrets about the space program um we weren't really sure how to end that one though <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair that feels like a downer. Yeah, and we also weren't sure, like, you know... It became very apparent to me that the game did not need to be any more weird um, at a certain point in development. Yeah. Yeah, I was so I was kind of going to ask a little bit about that. Um, for, uh, for people who, you know, do not know you personally, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your background with procedural narrative and kind of like you know how how you got to the point where you're writing a procedural na narrative game like this and then like what considerations went into it um yeah sure so um you know i i guess i'm a, at this point a, a long time indie developer um I, I went to usc grad school at the same time as uh kyla um and uh when i i guess like before that in undergrad and stuff one of the things that i um liked to mess around with that i did kind of my undergrad thesis on was um yeah like procedural narrative the idea that um it, it, it kind of came around because i i in undergrad had to do um a creative writing thesis and a computer science thesis at the same time like a kind of a combo so yeah i, I started doing um like how can computers um write stories basically and this is like significantly before the machine learning thing so it was kind of like very old school techniques um that people used of like um 
you know, figuring out story structures and morphologies and stuff and trying to use those or like using character agents. I don't know, there's a whole lot of stuff. Um, and it was really, it was very fascinating to me. So that was kind of um, what I researched a bit in undergrad and kind of um, tried to carry a bit of that over to the game projects that I um, did. So, you know, they, they range from a very elaborate game that uh, Kyla and I worked on in grad school that um, used like the tropes of Saturday morning cartoons to make like a whole, write a whole new episode of a cartoon every time you played um and then you would kind of play through it as an action game um but even in like kind of the the smaller or dumber games that i make i try to you know at least put some sort of like randomness in um to the narrative uh even with like wintermore with like some of the side quests there's you know just little dumb toy things like the music recommendation that yep. Joey gives you and stuff. Because, um, you know, I, I think that um, it, it's just kind of a spice, I guess, like a cooking spice, this sort of randomness that you can um, put into an otherwise normal game, or um, you can try to build a whole game around it. And, and but I, I, I think like. Say, I like that metaphor because <laughs> Astronaut the Best is a very spicy game. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, you know, the the important thing as, you know, a responsible game designer, the important thing with this proceduralizing of narrative is kind of, like, um, that the player's experience in the gameplay have to come first, right? Like, you're not just doing randomized narrative for the heck of it or because it's funny or whatever. You're doing it because it can create a gameplay experience that you couldn't achieve any other way. Because it's certainly, like not less effort it doesn't save you time versus just like writing a story so it has to kind of like enable other stuff to be possible um and that that was really kind of what we were trying to do with astronaut the best we were kind of trying to make this um i guess we call the game a moral laboratory um we want the game to kind of be like this space that um the players encouraged to experiment and mess around and try different things out and see what happens and um Using kind of that randomness made the game. It took a lot of the pressure off to make the right decision. Um, because, yeah, like Kyle said, we really tried to give it that kind of um, roguelike feel where there isn't ever like a single optimal style or thing to do, but you just are kind of trying to deal with the situation. Were there any like big things about your usual approach to the procedural narrative stuff that you had to? like tweak or adjust as you were making this to fit with how the game works? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I really have a usual approach for procedural narrative. Um, I guess like when I was a procedural narrative consultant, like, you know, multiple companies like paid me money to tell them about procedural narrative. And usually the first 50% of that was me telling them not to do procedural narrative. Um, <laughs> it's like too much trouble and doesn't really like get you the results unless you have like a cool gameplay or story thing that you can only do using that um mm -hmm. and so for astronaut the best yeah it was just kind of um i don't know yeah i tried to work forward from the gameplay and figure out what would um what would support that so um you know, or I, I, it's not really the gameplay, but like the situation that we wanted to create, the kind of tone of, um, you know, like you're, I, I guess the main 
vibe of the game, I guess, or kind of our main message is that like being somebody with power in like a public position, somebody who's kind of famous, like seems cool, but it probably kind of sucks in actuality. Um, and here's why, like, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it, it turns out that it's a tricky situation that people might not, uh, you know, I, I guess that people can maybe empathize with a little more after playing the game. So we, um, yeah, we, we kind of um, thought about all the different trade-offs and all the different things that could happen. And, um, you know, we considered, like, um, there were kind of a long, um, I guess, tradition of vaguely similar games um, that, especially at the at the time, there's been more sense. But since the time, like, kind of the two poles were um, on one end you had, like, Reigns, um the kind of uh mostly mobile kind of card based kingdom management game where it's very um very mechanics based very randomized where it's just um a lot of little situations and trying to deal with it and make numbers go up and down and then on the other side there's long live the queen um which, which we have played for this podcast yeah yeah so that that was like um that was basically like what this game would have looked like if it was not procedural at all um if it was just you know like it and it's kind of interesting to have that like um just like a single decision tree i guess like a single branching structure that you're trying to like do over and over again but Mm -hmm. um you know i I don't know i felt like that had been done before by them um so It's a good game. It's a perfectly yeah. solid like approach to a thing that is not what you're doing here. Carl, do but... you still have the speedrun record for Long Live the Queen, by the way, just as an aside? <laughs> no, it was taken from me. Darn. And I didn't want to grind for it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair, fair enough. Does it involve trying to die as quickly as possible? Or was it like... No, it involves trying to reach an ending as quickly as possible. Which, ah. I mean, you're gonna go for the bad ending, or like the <laughs> quote-unquote bad ending. Right, kind of like the, you know, the D-minus ending. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think it was, it was like just around three minutes or something like that? It was just under two. Just under two, okay, yeah, so nice. you can do it very fast. It's, it's at yeah. least one that you can practice quickly. Yeah, and, and I think the, um... You know, the reason we didn't really want to do that approach is because that approach involves a lot of re-reading and a lot of skipping by text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we wanted to, I don't know, we wanted to make a game where players didn't skip by text um, as much as we could. Like a game where the reading and trying to, like, you know, hear what characters were saying and stuff was an important gameplay skill, I guess. And to, yet, to make decisions. <laughs> and yet, you put a challenge mode into the game, which just completely messes with the dialogue. I did play my <laughs> first playthrough yesterday on uh, old Fra- Flaustrian dialogue uh, yeah. challenge mode, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's not a hundred percent illegible. It's just like eighty-five percent. Eighty-five, yeah. Um, yeah, that's why it's a challenge mode. Um, I am. 
I am dying to know uh, how the behind the scenes works of like the language substitution. Like what oh, did yeah, you run it well, through some translation? Like what did you do to did you just write every dialogue line twice? Like what oh, how no, did you absolutely not. That would have been way too much work. Um I figured. That mode was a um a shout out to the Ulipo, um the European uh kind of like pseudo Dadaist art collective of the twenties and thirties. Um who had a poetry technique they called, um, I believe, S plus 7 or N plus 7 or something, where um, they would like write something and then they would go to the dictionary and they would take every word and go down seven words from it in the dictionary um, and then write that word instead. Um, I just thought it might be something. Yeah, like yeah, so that's how this works. We have like a giant word list that... Um, I believe I got originally from Adder back in the day um, because I made a word game um, and he also made a word game. <laughs> and so I asked him if I could have his word list and I still had it lying around. So I was like, ah, I have this word list. So it'd be really easy to just take every word and then go down seven words and replace it. Um, so, yep, that's what that is. <laughs> It has okay. a bunch of very weird words too. Like it I, does, yeah. It really does, yeah. <laughs> um, and then sometimes you end up with just like the plural of the current word. <laughs> it's like, all right, sure, or like the gerund form of the current word. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I had an interesting time with that. Uh yesterday um I, I should probably I, put somewhat of a warning on that telling people not to do it the first time they play a mission yeah probably um if you want to be aware of what's going on um i it's and it was that's definitely true because uh i ran into one of my favorite events uh like i think for the first time in my own game and luckily it wasn't spoiled uh, by the fact, uh, only by the fact that I had seen the event before in, like, I think watching someone else's stream, or maybe it was in the beta, I don't, I don't quite remember. Um, but which is, during my space launch, um, I got sucked into the, like, mysterious space casino. Oh. Um, with the evil spider, uh, who tried to trick one of my astronauts, uh, with illusions. But that astronaut was a votive blindfold wearer and couldn't see anything and was not fooled by the illusions, which is one of my favorite interactions in the game. Yeah, that, that event, for what it's worth, is David's favorite part of the game. <laughs> nice. That, yeah, that somehow does not surprise me. Um, but yeah, so the... Uh, um, I, I, was, I was sort of like you know, trying to, to read between the lines as much as I could with, with the language set weird. Um, there's also, you have to unlock it, but there's an even more challenging language mode. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's, I, I haven't, you know, it's very challenging, but there is a language off mode. Uh oh Oh, God. What does that mean? It just replaces all the dialogue with dot dot dot, or sorry, dot dot, which is the Flaustrian version of dot dot dot. <laughs> See, oh god, 
do they do they still do their like little uh procedural warbles? Um it's probably very abbreviated. Um because <laughs> the procedural warbles are um in, you know, an example of putting arguably too much effort into things. Um it translates the message into Morse code. Um and then uses the Morse code to modulate uh you know, like a wave file. To make um, their little little like Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it is possible to actually like decode that into what they're saying to some extent. If if you do the whole thing, it's like way too long. So we did But it's not it's not stuff. basing it on what the dialogue would have been. It it will base it on the dot dot, probably. Yes. So it'd be a very short noise. It would be um, it would be fascinating if it based it on the original dialogue because then you could like hone your oh, code abilities. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, then, oh, yeah, at this point, I feel like I should give a shout out that David and I weren't the only developers of this game. Um, all of the that system and all of the music and audio were made by um, Matt Zapp. And all of the art in the game and all of the graphic design and visuals were made by Julia Y. And and it is like gorgeous. It is definitely mm -hmm. like an incredibly unique visual style. It has the appearance of sort of the like old Soviet propaganda, <laughs> just mixed with like funhouse mirrors. Yeah, I was thinking like Soviet propaganda mixed with John K. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Julia um, is uh, she? She's gotten uh that that comparison in the past and was very happy about it um, okay good that well your i made the right yeah. comparison <laughs> yeah it's like it ended up looking like a little 90s cartoon-ish but was actually um largely based on kind of the sort of cartoons that were around in the space race era like um in the late 50s early 60s um there are a bunch of like weird um I, like for... even for people oh, who are not art, for people who are not artsy people, I did just do a Google. He's like the Ren and Stimpy guy. Oh yeah, sorry, um, I should have specified. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. John K. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was, it was actually um, largely based on the cartoons of the era, which were like all like kind of jazz age, kind of like bebop y cartoons that um, like colored outside the lines and had you know like jazz music to them or that we're like kind of the Saul Bass um era stuff a little bit um yeah but like the cartoons that Disney made in that era that also were like mostly about shapes and colors <laughs> that were kind of just vibing um there there's one in particular that was like teaching children about music called Toot Whistle Plunk and Boom um that we used as a um as as a solid uh, reference, I'm Google imaging it. Oh, I have seen at least some of this. Yeah, I, re I recognize these three golden birds. <laughs> yeah, it was another. It was definitely one of those for me that like it was like oh yeah I I have watched that probably once when I was four or something and have yeah. some very very half-formed memories uh somewhere oh. in my head oh yeah there's some serious uh like not kosher for today minstrel show going on in some parts of that cartoon huh yeah 
Um, yes, yeah, it should, you know, hopefully I don't need to stay with both that and, you know, John Kay, that uh, saying that their point of artistic reference is not an endorsement. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm more like, if people want to go back and uh, like look at these reference points, just be forewarned. <laughs> there might it's some of it has aged somewhat poorly. As you do, but the As birds it, are nice. The birds are nice. <laughs> the bird, yeah, great. Yeah, the birds are good. Um, ah, there was. <laughs> Something I was going to say back in... Oh, because I had talked about the vote of blindfolding. I wanted to ask about um, kind of like your approach to managing, like making sure there is enough like diversity of traits and things that the astronauts can have versus like making sure that interesting interactions between them occur frequently enough. Um, because it's, you know, there's like so many different things that can happen. And yet it often seems that there are situations that I'm in where a specific trait comes up and has a weird effect where I'm like, oh, like, I'm glad this person, you know, like, really loves funnel cakes because that helped me out right here for suddenly. Yeah, um, I think the two, I guess in general, um, there was a GDC talk from Yoko Taro that stuck with me um, that the kind of upshot of it was um you want your game to be bigger than it appears not smaller than it appears like um you know like he talked a little bit how about like in gta it set players expectations very high by like having this like whole city that you can explore but then you can't actually go into the buildings and it's kind of a bummer um and you know and so he tries to make games where he um makes like a game and then only tells players about part of it basically or like tries yeah. to set their expectations very low so that they encounter pleasant surprises more than they uncover like things that they can't do and are bummed um mm -hmm. so i i kind of that's i guess a good way of stating kind of my my ethos on that sort of thing where you know the the game is very much they're they're very much a la carte, I suppose. The game doesn't like um we we never like tell people like oh like your this trade is gonna have like a hundred different effects or whatever. Um yeah. and instead we just try to make it so that's always a little bit of a surprise when a trait thing happens. Um so I guess number one, keeping expectations low uh, <laughs> is important. And then just um how many different uh, do you, well, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but do you know, like, on average, how many different, like, situational uh, occurrences there are on average per trait? Um, it does kind of vary significantly. Um, we did try to make it so every trait could be both good and bad. Um, mm -hmm. So that some of the ones that seem very beneficial or that seem very crappy, um, we made a concerted effort to make situations where those would be, you know, the opposite. Um, but sometimes if there's just ones that are probably come up more than is justified because we thought they were funny and just kind of like in, you know, when writing the event, we were like, oh, yeah, this would be way more interesting if, you know, the astronaut 
was yeah. on drugs or thought they were a profound person or whatever. Yeah, like small small spoiler, but uh, if you have vampires on your team, be very <laughs> careful about taking them into space with you. Because uh, or... you know you know what else is in space? The sun. <laughs> There's also a third thing in space that you can find only with vampires on your crew. Ooh, but you gotta you gotta make I assume you have to end up with a spacecraft that they can not immediately die in. Um it is you have to well I don't know. I don't know if I should give too many spoilers, but too many hints. No, give yeah. give this one because it can be a special advantage to people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> okay, sure. Um it might be worth trying to see what happens if there are only vampire astronauts. Ooh, okay. Yeah, because I'm excited. I will definitely try go that. Away from the sun. <laughs> Who knows what they'll find? Nice. Um, since we since we have a somewhat limited amount of time before we go into like uh, anecdotes, because I do want to like go around and see if people have. Uh, favorite anecdotes from playing. Do you have any like favorite anecdotes from the dev process uh, that are fun that you would want to share? Oh, man. That is a very open question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been, what, like eight years that you guys have been working on this? Yeah. It took eight years um, because we had day jobs. I, I do tell people that if you imagine we were able to work on the game full-time, and kind of converted the hours, then it would have taken less than three years. Hmm. Which is much more reasonable. Um, but, yes. Uh, it did take quite a while, so it's like, you know, what amazing anecdotes are there uh, over the past decade of my life? Um, <laughs> or is there just anything yeah. interesting about like the way the game has changed from previous versions of it or anything like that? Um... I'll just kind of say, like, very broadly, um, David and I kept trying to think of games that were, like, um, weird, interesting ideas or hooks, and then the work that we had to do to develop it would be, like, making it into a gameplay system that made sense. Um, and that was really tough. So with Astronaut the Best, we decided to start with a gameplay system with, like, kind of a real-world system of trade-offs. Um, which is like running a space program. David read the book The Right Stuff. And it was kind of really interesting how the people chosen to be astronauts weren't necessarily the ones who tested highest or were the best at, you know, doing astronaut stuff because they had to get along and work as a team and hold up under all this pressure and media stuff. And then there are all these external factors and everything. And hmm. that sounded like gameplay decisions. Um, so we started off with kind of like a very norm base you know decision game for mm -hmm. about two hours before <laughs> i got antsy but it was it was nice to have the development process be about making it weirder instead of making it more sensible instead um, of making it into a thing that was workable yeah 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 it was nice to kind of start with like a kernel of a gameplay system that we knew would work um but it did mean that you know we did kind of go overboard with the weirdness um, a little bit to the point where, um, you know, I was really glad to hear what um, Kyla said at the beginning about um, being able to experience it as a roguelike and kind of um, 
you know, the, the initial wave of like being overwhelmed by all the random stuff kind of resolving to like, no, I can understand and control this and like try to, you know, make good decisions. Um, because like so much of our development process was convincing people that that was possible. Um, <laughs> that it was like, you know, that our game wasn't just a bunch of random bullshit and that there, you know, are actually like things you can do to succeed and to have agency and, um, I was, it's, I, I, like, my concern was, like, oh, like, the thing about procedural narrative is, like, once you've seen a certain number of the things, like, then it gets boring because you're just seeing the same thing, like, mm -hmm. that you know, that you know over and over again. Um, and then I, as I was playing, I realized, like, oh, when I see something I know, it means I can do better at the mission <laughs> because I know how to handle it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think we... <laughs> Actually, a bonus. Yeah, we tried to kind of hit like a critical mass where, um, yeah, when you see a new event or when you see an event you've seen before, um, it'll be in a new context where you have different mechanical, um, where we have different abilities, different resources. And so you're yeah. kind of led to make a different decision and such, or there are just like decisions that you didn't make before that you want to see what happened. For instance, giving all of your astronauts drugs, because they're almost all on drugs anyway, so why not? Might as well. By the way, it was the perfect decision, too, because the drug they all went on was Ragers, and I desperately needed a universal strength boost, at that, like fitness boost at that time, and that is probably the only reason all my astronauts survived space, is because they were all doing drugs. That's a life lesson. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, maybe as they, as they say in uh, uh, Dimension Twenty, drugs. There's no downside. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I was like, I was all, all already all you know dealing with only having half my astronauts available at any given time anyway. So you know, sometimes you have to roll with it. I think that was kind of my favorite thing, um, just in general about the game is that even even when you feel like you're in an unwinnable situation if you just decide i'm gonna pick whatever decision is the funniest you've got an even chance of picking out okay that that is also um that also makes me really happy to hear because yeah we early on like it's always a tough line to walk because we wanted to I always like encouraging players to like feel kind of like they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing um, to kind of, you know, break the rules a little bit or like succeed in weird and different ways um, to kind of try to break stuff. And it, it's kind of hard because like you can't really like, um, you know, do that if the game encourages you to do it too much. You know, like it's not really like Teenage Rebellion if like your parents are with it or whatever so um yeah yeah so it was kind of a fine line it, it, it's not it's not fucking around and finding out if you don't occasionally find out yeah, yeah. If, if the game isn't if the game doesn't make it clear that it's like you know that's why everybody in the game it why it has kind of that deadpan tone where like the high priests are very serious and you know want you to be doing the right thing all the time and stuff so that you know you can uh discover that sometimes doing things that aren't that can uh let you succeed in different ways yeah 
Um, does so? Okay, um, I can go first if other people want time to uh, to think of their answers. But does anybody have uh, favorite anecdotes for like weird weird stories that happen to them? Because if nothing else, I think what one of the things this game is best as is uh, a a weird narrative generator, like a thing that you can tell your friend, like, oh man, this is what happened to me and my astronauts. So I have a pretty interesting thing that happened just before this recording, actually. Yeah. I played a run, and it turns out four of my five astronauts were astronaut killers. <laughs> and I had to keep them away from each other. Yeah, there's... I feel like there's a... There's like that. That sounds like a like a short cartoon sketch of you know like the office where everyone's secretly like plotting to kill everyone else. Yeah, I'm oh, not gonna say. I'm not gonna say Among Us. I'm not gonna say Among <laughs> Us. <laughs> among Us, if everyone is the traitor. Yeah, everyone's sus. But yep. surprisingly, not a single person got killed. Oh, good. Awesome. Did was the was your uh, space launch team entirely made up of astronaut killers? Um, I don't remember. I don't think it was. The uh, I had I possibly my favorite one also involved the astronaut killer. Um, because <clears throat> I got a I got a special um event that occurs where like an astronaut wants to go on a date with another team member. And I'm like, I, normally, I've been keeping the astronauts apart um, when in these scenarios because, like, I don't want to mess with the like team, <clears throat> you know, team makeup and like have awkwardness going on. Uh, and most of the times, this has come up before everybody's had like shit charisma, and I didn't want to like, I didn't want them to try to be uh, charismatic. Um, but this time it happened with, like, a couple people who had pretty high charisma, and I'm like, maybe they'll get along. All right, for this once, I will let them, uh, you know, I will let them date. And then, of course, one of them was the astronaut killer and killed the other one. Uh, but <laughs> unfortunately, the one she killed was, like, one of my best three astronauts, which then made her my new third best astronaut, which put her on the space mission. So effectively, she had just, like, assassinated her way into going to space <laughs> um, and sort of, you know, climbing the, the corporate ladder, as it were. Uh, so I brought her on my space team, uh, and then she turned out to be a vampire and died on, <laughs> on launch due to the sun. Uh, so in a way, she sort of planted the seeds of her own downfall, really. That's really poetic justice. Yeah. Some Some classical tragic irony yeah um i also had uh in the space wolves mission i was uh chatting up the producer and trying to get her on my side and agreed to take her is it it's like daughter or niece or something her young relative into the space program and then the very next day uh the girl tried to rob a bank and got arrested uh she's like i'm an astronaut now there are no consequences and i'm like Listen, you're here on special <laughs> contingency. I can take this away from you. And she's like, oh no. And then she just went to jail and I didn't have to deal with her being around. 
and it was great. <laughs> Everything worked out better than expected. Um, I think yeah. my my like maybe this isn't that wild, but I had a run um recently where I managed to both get blessed and cursed by inside run and uh managed to um managed to make it to launch because all my astronauts were hot as fuck somehow and the entire time i'd been like what am i gonna do with all this beauty like i don't i don't I don't need it i don't want it but man it saved my ass in the end what's the uh what's the curse that you needed beauty for um so when inside track curses you you basically have like i don't know a, a pretty short amount of time what I remember to um before you have to complete a beauty challenge. Otherwise inside track like basically stops you from doing the launch and I think you get kicked out. Because I've I have gotten cursed by him and failed before too. And I think that's what happened. Um yeah. <laughs> so you just you got out by the fact that you just had a real hot space team. Did they survive going to space? I think everybody did survive. One of them puked in their helmet, um, and like so was out of commission for the rest of the flight. But nobody died, I think. Nice. So yeah. There is there is one particular um thing that can happen if you're that that is one of the things that we added to, you know, make make those stats of charm and beauty matter more is if your spaceship does crash in space, like usually it's it's a bad thing. But if your astronauts are attractive enough, then then there's a way out of it for them. Oh, interesting. That must have no well, I don't think I crashed. I think I like I think I was running too far at the end of my luck was my feeling so i like <laughs> i i got into space and then i was like no that's it we're turning around and we're going home yeah. <laughs> i didn't yeah, do anything cool think, that one i think but... i've definitely been too conservative on some of these runs i should definitely try and do some of the more uh advanced space stuff although i did at one point like meet an alien civilization and uh get them to become a, a colony of flaustria so that was pretty cool nice um but yeah so astronaut the best it's uh it's, it's a lot of weird things um how's the uh how's the reception been for the game overall i know like as an as an indie game it's like basically impossible to get any like press but of um, the of the people who've played it how do people feel about it yeah yeah i'm cold um it seems like People have the people who have played it have largely gotten it, which has been great. They've kind of, you know, I, I guess been amused, um, but also have kind of understood what we were going for in terms of that initial thing that I said about like, you know, um the challenges of leadership and um it just kind of you know, and it being kind of uh just about people and how people are complicated and how that is both a beautiful thing and a terrible thing. Um, yeah. and, beautiful thing generally, terrible yeah. thing to be responsible for. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, it was, it was pretty cool to see that uh, people have, on the whole, appreciated it um, and that uh, our reviews are mostly positive. You know, we're, we're always hoping that um, more 
people will give it a try um because yeah we we do think it is you know a legitimately different game from others that are out there um and that it's it's got some new ideas that i want people to be able to to yeah if if nothing if nothing else it is incredibly unique <laughs> as a game the uh the earlier comparison of like uh, procedural narrative being kind of a spice and this being a very spicy game also translates to like that can mean it's an acquired taste for some people, right? Like you have to know what you're getting into in terms of it's it's a weird ass game, guys. <laughs> but, but in a good way. We have played games on this channel before um, and by channel I guess I mean podcast uh, that were weird ass games in a way that like was not to our taste. But at least for me, this is definitely like weird in a way that I adore. Yes. So, good job. I, <laughs> thank you. And I, I think I will um, use this also as a segue to say that, um, you know, like our reception, the one thing that kind of surprised us is people talking about um, there's such varying um, like reports of the game's difficulty. Where like some people were like the game was like super easy. I had never failed a mission once. Um, and some people were like, this game is impossible. Like I can't, you know, do anything. Like and you know, some people we tried to make failure fun, but some people were still you know kind of tilting about it. And it's kind of it's in human nature. I understand. Um, yeah. So um, due to that, we. Um, or partially due to that, we've made one major um, update, like a big patch, with um, a little bit of new features and new challenges, and um, that rebalances some stuff to try to make sure that um, progression is a little easier um, and not as tied to success. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So that even if you you know fail, you can always fail forward. Um, so yeah, that that is. Um, Coming out. I don't know when this podcast is going to drop, but um, it's today. Coming out Possibly today. today. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So um, it it'll be coming out uh pretty soon in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that seems like a good call. Um, there's. A, I always appreciate it when a game has a like just let me move forward button, basically. Uh, yeah. Like in and... in Celeste, the like just just make me invincible please so i can get through this screen i i do i do in general want more people to be able to play the um the true ending yeah i'm excited to get there i did get uh another one of my little bird stamps yesterday so i'm i'm working i'm working on it um cool uh so I think since we're we're basically at time, uh, shall we segue to our like end of end of episode routine? Yeah. Uh, rem remind me, Kelsey. We usually do coming up next uh, after this, right? We usually do coming up next, but I mean, yeah. if, if we want to do plugs, I'll now. do it. I'll do it real quick. Um, so next two weeks, uh, we are going to be playing the game uh, Huchel by Amanita Design, also known as Chuchel. Uh, because that's how it's spelled, even though it's pronounced Huchel in Czech. Uh, but the devs are on record as having said that they've heard people pronounce it as Chuchel so often now that they've just like accepted that as the name. Um, 
which is, yeah, it's Amanita Design, which is the Czech game studio that uh, we've played uh, a little bit before. Uh, we did Botanicula uh, and Creeks, I think, Creeks. was our other game mm -hmm. by them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so play that over the next couple weeks. It's apparently real short. It's supposed to only be like two hours long. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that's what we're going to be playing next, and if you would like to come and discuss the game with us, uh, either guest on the podcast or just, uh, you know, tell us your thoughts, uh, you can find us on our Discord, um, which is at our link tree. Um, Kelso, what's our link tree? Link tree slash feedback force podcast. Is there a consensus, by the way, on how to pronounce linkter.e? <laughs> because that's I mean... how I read it in my head. Um, <laughs> if, if you google link tree feedback force podcast you might find it let me see if that's true <laughs> or if you just google link tree to figure out where the where the dot goes and uh, then you can fill in the blanks with feedback force podcast that's true on your own i think i think that might be yeah a, a convenient way to do it but yeah the link to the discord is there the link to the basically defunct twitter x i've, I've stopped posting there i've stopped posting everything there um, whoops, but also SoundCloud and, um, Spotify links are there as well, so you can find the rest of the episodes. Uh, Mike, if people want to find you and or Astronaut the Best, how should they go about doing so? Yeah, um, well, I, we don't have a huge social, or I, I personally don't have much social presence on the internet, but, um, Astronaut the Best is out there. It should hopefully come up if you look for it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's available now on Steam, um, and we also have a Twitter. But I don't. Um, just go go find it on Steam, play it, get the true ending um, if you can. And um, yeah, we we have uh, that exciting update and perhaps even a sale coming up uh, rather soon. Yeah, and if you play it and you get the uh, the secret ending and you very much want to discuss it with someone. Uh, you guys also have a have a Discord, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, if there's a way we could put that link somewhere, then I can give you that. It's like, um, I think you can probably find it on the Steam page somewhere also. Cool. 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 Um, yeah, that is the uh, Flowstrain Command Center. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Kelso. Do you I... still have a way to be contacted? <laughs> Um, not really, not really. Just find, just, just get on the Discord. I'm here. That's about it. I yep. really, I really have quit Twitter cold turkey when they, when they made um tweet deck a paid thing. So that's yeah. the only way to use Twitter. So that was the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. Yep. Um, go to the link tree and then join the Discord. And yeah. I'm here. I'm here, baby. I'm here for you. Fair enough. Uh, if you want to find me, um, I'm on Tumblr, uh, cagetiger.tumblr.com, if you want to see all my fandom nonsense. Uh, or you can see pictures of my gecko uh, at Kyla Gorman Fury on Instagram. Yeah, and I'm also gone from most social media. But you can find me on Discord, and you can wishlist our game Abyssus on Steam, which yeah. is coming out sometime <laughs> which is coming out in the future in the future yeah uh, 
yeah, and we will see you uh, in hopefully two weeks. If it, it might, it might end up being more than two weeks uh, because uh, Carl is very busy. Here's the uh, thing: I say this all the time. We do this for fun. You're lucky to be getting a podcast at all, friends. Um, you yeah, take no, this we podcast do this. and you be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get what you get, and you like it. Um, yeah, hopefully two weeks, maybe more. But probably yeah. not six weeks. Um, probably not. I think that would be pretty wild. Uh, we could have, um, anyway. yeah, we could have done a, a spooky game because it's uh, it's like Halloween month. But listen, we're not that well coordinated <laughs> thinking ahead. We did no. not choose one. No, that's fine. No, we so, don't. Even, uh, we don't do a spooky game every year. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I know. I know. Mike's got a heart out. So um, thanks for listening. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. And um, we will be back in. A point in the future. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Bye bye.